Hi there, I'm Salima Noon. I'm a sexual health and empowerment educator based in Vancouver, Canada, and welcome to Growing Up Game Plan, the podcast. Growing Up Game Plan is a six-week online masterclass for preteens on being more confident, more prepared, and less stressed as they navigate life. We created this podcast to support you parents to do the same. You're in the right place if you want to understand what preteens struggle with. You want to be proactive and stay one step ahead of teen angst. You want to have or keep having meaningful conversations with your preteen about growing up. And you're looking for concrete, easy to implement tips on what to say and do. We don't have all the answers, but we want to support you in all of these goals. Parenting preteens is no joke. And sometimes you just got to call in for backup. That's us. So let's do this. I'm joined by my colleague, Julie Proder, co-creator of Growing Up Game Plan, our online masterclass for preteens. Julie is also a member of my Salima Noon Sexual Health Educators team. Hey there, Julie. Hey, Salima. How's it going? Oh, good. Good to be with you again. Yeah, let's talk puberty, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So I'll start with my first question. You and I both spend a lot of time working with and teaching parents as well as kids. So for the most part, they know it's important that kids know how their body changes during puberty and they're up for the challenge, right? So my question is, when should these conversations actually start? Hmm. Yeah, you're right, Julie. I mean, parents get it. They know how important it is for us to normalize puberty changes for our kids. So it's not a scary or traumatizing experience for them like it was for some of us, right? But these conversations need to start earlier than some may think. So for example, we know the average age for periods of wet dreams to start is around 12 to 13 years old. But the research tells us it's getting six months younger every generation. So it's not unusual for a child to experience these changes as early as age eight or nine. And if we wait till age 11 or 12 to talk about them, we may have missed the boat. And other puberty changes, such as hair growth on the body and the BO that often comes with that, are happening at earlier and earlier ages too. So we suggest that parents say more sooner. Better too early than too late. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So, and in addition to starting these talks earlier, in essence, normalizing the process, what else can parents do to sort of modernize their approach to talking puberty with their kids? Well, in addition to saying more sooner, I can think of three more things parents might do to up their puberty game. The first is to try to stop being so negative about it because kids internalize that. Um, Now, we don't have to claim to our kids that puberty is easy or that it's super fun, but let's try not to be such Debbie Downers. There's a lot of cool things about puberty, like gaining more independence, getting to know ourselves better, spending more time with friends, feeling more adult. So we have to factor those into the equation too. The second is to move away from a gender-specific approach. Traditionally, we've thought of puberty as one experience for girls and a different and separate experience for boys. Now, I don't know what your experience was, Julie, but I remember getting the puberty, (laughs) quote, film strip. Um, I don't even know if you know what that is, but, uh, (laughs) you know, we got this film strip at school in grade five. Um, We were shown, the girls were shown one film strip in the library, and the boys saw another film strip in the gym. I mean, who knows if they were even different, but I remember talking on the playground, and for what seemed like weeks after, um, about what the boys got to learn and what we didn't and vice versa. I mean, talk about a recipe for misinformation, right? Not to mention reinforcing the 
unnecessary secrecy around this really real and normal and natural part of life. How did you learn about puberty, Julie? (laughs) Oh, man, that story totally resonates. I think it was grade six, but I had gotten my period almost two years earlier, which was super awkward because I was still trying to be a boy and fit in with the boys (laughs) to play soccer. And I was sort of being like forced to wear a training bra and I didn't want to. So the timing was off for you, right? Oh, it was way off. And I do remember, yeah, we were also separated. It was a big secrecy thing. And at the end, all the girls um, got samples of tampons and the guys got little samples of deodorant. So the guys all thought that we had gotten candy because we were crinkling these wrappers and hiding them. And they were hounding us to see what candy we got. So we were like, just like you can imagine the (laughs) blushing that was going on. Yeah, I remember a lot of it was also about sort of male pleasure and erections. And there was nothing about female pleasure or sex being a good or enjoyable part of your life. Like the clitoris was not on the menu. Interesting. And nothing about consent, nothing about empowerment, sort of like all that stuff that we talk about today. We can just see how far we've come. And I just still, after that, I still felt very much in the dark about everything, like just trying to navigate these changes. So yeah, I I think the most important part of our approach is that we start with all bodies experience, right? And that's just so different from what we grew up with. Absolutely. And the reality is the experience of puberty is much the same for all genders when it comes to the emotional and physical changes they experience. I mean, the only differences really are periods, which are experienced by people with a uterus and ovaries, and wet dreams, which are experienced by people with the testicles and penis. You know, 20 years ago, when I first started teaching puberty, I would put three columns on the board. One would be boys, One would be girls, and in the middle I'd write both. Mm. And we'd do a brainstorm of what changes would go where. But we don't need those columns, right? Because we know that um, a person's experience of puberty doesn't rely on how they identify when it comes to their gender. Yes, I mean, everyone's experience of puberty is unique. I don't want to deny that. But these differences in experience are less to do with gender and more to do with who we are. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, I think kids really get that too, because then every every person sitting in that room hears themselves in your conversation, right? They feel included from the start. And as you know, Julie, that's the goal in all of the workshops we provide for kids, mm-hmm. right? We want all students to be heard and to feel included in whatever we're discussing. Now, speaking of gender... Um, It goes without saying that it's important to not use gendered language in our conversations about puberty, right? So we can't say, for example, girls have periods and boys have wet dreams in an effort to be inclusive of transgender and intersex people. Many girls get wet dreams and many boys get periods. So we just need to keep in mind that we need, we just need to keep that in mind. Um, This also means we need to try to move away from the idea that dads will talk to their sons and moms (laughs) will talk to their daughters. Mm -hmm. Let's take gender just right out of the picture in this way as well. And, you know, another thing I remember, Julie, about my experience learning about puberty is actually my dad talked to me more about it than my mom did. That's just the way it was. And the same thing went for relationships and, you know, traditional birds and the bees conversations, my dad kind of took the wheel there, which I think is not typical. Yeah, that's nice. That's uh, really norm, like probably without you or him even knowing it, it really just normalized that process for everyone involved. Yeah. And I think it's 
more to you know more common for dads to talk to their daughters and vice versa but back then you know when I was growing up in the 80s it really was gendered in how we had these conversations but there's so much value in breaking that apart yeah I agree now the third way that I can see we can modernize our approach to talking about puberty is just to pay more attention and validate the emotional changes our kids are experiencing Mood swings, crushes, increased sensitivity, insecurity, a need for independence. These changes are all very real too, so we need to talk about them. You know, in our program for preteens, Growing Up Game Plan, we do our best to offer a comprehensive discussion of puberty, not just normalizing the physical changes kids can experience over the next few years, but the more emotional and social ones too. Yeah, those are some really valid points, Salima. So as parents are sort of preparing themselves and their preteens for navigating some of this more emotional, I guess, fallout of puberty, we're thinking about things like all of these big feels, these changing relationships, right? These social pressures is a big one. And one of the ones we see all too often with preteens of all genders, and this comes up time and time again, is kids struggling with their body image, uh, especially during this time of like growth and insecurity. Ugh, this is so hard, Julie. It's just, you know, they do, they struggle. And really, it's not surprising. I mean, kids' bodies are changing sometimes very fast, sometimes not fast enough. That was me in grade six. And they're comparing themselves to their peers and what or who they see in the media every single day. So it's not unusual or surprising for kids to feel that they don't measure up. So during puberty more than ever, we need to use every opportunity we can to send the message to our kids that how we look is only one small piece of who we are and that our special qualities, our talents, our uniqueness, those are the things that we bring to the world that are way more important. And you know, this is also the time more than ever that we need to check ourselves and make sure we're not unintentionally <laughs> sending negative messages to our kids about body image. I know this is really uncomfortable, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But they're watching and listening. And so that means no trash talk about our own bodies. We need to model a healthy approach to food and exercise. And most importantly, if we have body image issues or have had them growing up, we need to be really careful not to project them onto our kids and don't make comments about our kids' bodies, good or bad. Yeah, that's so true and like so impactful, right? We now more than ever with what they're exposed to, we have to be so careful in modeling a healthy lifestyle. So I totally agree. And even, you know, even seemingly harmless comments like a parent talking about wanting to fit into a dress that they love for a special mm -hmm. event. I mean, kids really pick up on that. And, you know, it's, it's very easy for them to think, oh, whoa, I think mom looks great, but she wants to lose weight. Where does that leave me? Yeah, absolutely. They're totally sponges at that age, right? Of They're, they're watching how adults are interacting. They're watching what grownups are doing. And one that you brought to my attention recently that I hadn't thought about before, which was something that was said to me a lot when I was younger was, oh, we better get some meat on those bones, uh. which happened like people, adults say that all the time to kids, right? But once that becomes internalized, it's that focus on the body of, oh, I don't look how I should look. What should I be doing differently, right? Exactly. And then trying to live up to those expectations that our society and media and even our parents maybe have of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? No one wants to... <laughs> I'm thinking back to uh, 
puberty for me and I, I don't want to relive that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, maybe it would be different if you had the support that we're hoping preteens today can get. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why we do this work, right? Exactly. So when it comes down to the execution of all this, right? Uh, I think the biggest misconception for parents is that there's going to be this one talk, right? They're going to sit everyone down. We're going to get straight on all this and then we move on with our lives, right? Where in reality, we're not asking parents to just sit their kids down for this daunting two-hour talk, right? That's right. You know, it's not about the talk, capital T, capital T. Uh, that wouldn't be much fun for anyone, nor would it be very productive because there's no way a child is able to remember everything all in one go, right? So like we always say, little conversations, lots of them about growing up are most impactful. They don't have to be long or drawn out. Just answer a question here, share a fun fact there, tell a story about when you were growing up while you walked the dog, and call in for reinforcement when you can. I mean, we don't expect parents to do this all alone. Mm -hmm. And those messages that we try to send our kids can easily be reinforced by other people in their lives, you know? So for example, there's our body science online videos. We talk very comprehensively about puberty uh, in those. We have our newest program, Growing Up Game Plan. We have a module just focused on puberty. Um, so those are two of many other great resources. Um, you and I both love amaze.org, right, Julie? Oh, yeah. This is a, a website for um, kids of all ages, and it features dozens of dozens, I mean, maybe even hundreds now, I don't know, but tons of two to three minute animated YouTube videos on all things to do with puberty, relationships and sexuality. I mean, they're so engaging, age appropriate and hilarious. Kids love them. So parents could explore some of those just for a few minutes after dinner or waiting for a sibling at softball practice. Um, so calling in for backup is a really important piece of making sure that our kids understand uh, fully what puberty is all about and that they hear these really positive messages from more than one person in their life, right? Oh, and let's not forget books. Those are great resources. Um, you know, when my stepdaughters were younger, I used to just put the books around the house. I'd put a few in the bathroom. I put a couple in the living room. I put some on the bookshelf in the family room and they would never admit to reading them, of course, but I did notice that the books moved around the house on a regular basis. So um, books are a, a good old school um, kind of resource that we can't forget. And Julie, I also want to mention that on our own website, salimanoon.com, we have a long list of resources on puberty and all topics to do with growing up. So that might be a good place to start. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Salima. Yeah, those those resources are really great and some, some great food for thought. And if you're a parent who's sort of new to this information, you need brushing up yourself, like no dramas. Watch those videos with your kids. Learn together, right? It's supposed to be fun. Oh, yeah. For sure. So I really appreciate these comments um, about having a more modern sort of inclusive puberty conversation with our kids, right? If we're saying more sooner, we're really setting up a safe space without any of the weirdness. We're just setting the stage for open and easy conversations before we get into these like deep, dark trenches of teenager land, right? Where mood swings are in full effect and we feel like our kids are shutting down. <laughs> That's right, Julie. Ugh, it is so important to start these conversations early. 
always say more sooner, right? Well, we're out of time for today, but I can't wait to share our next episode with our listeners. We're going to do something a little bit different and provide parents with answers to some of the most common questions preteens ask us about growing up. Sound good, Julie? Ooh, yeah. What we do best as sexual health educators, answer those burning (laughs) anonymous questions. (laughs) Sounds good. I know. It's the best part of our job. (laughs) All right. Well, see you then. Take care. See you soon. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Growing Up Game Plan, the podcast, where our goal is to support parents as they navigate the preteen trenches. Looking for more? Check out our newest program, Growing Up Game Plan. Growing Up Game Plan is a six-week online masterclass for preteens age 9 to 12-ish that sets them up to celebrate who they really are, to use their inner power to honor, manage, and express their emotions, to stay safe and have fun online, to come to terms with puberty, to stand up for themselves and what they believe in, and to foster healthy relationships. Growing Up Game Plan gets your preteen thinking and reflecting on things that matter. We give you peace of mind and they learn skills they can use for a lifetime. And we help you both learn to have meaningful, open conversations moving forward. Go to www.salimanoon.com if you'd like to learn more about Growing Up Game Plan or to join our waitlist to be the first to know about when registration opens up next. We got you.